Lord's Supper. And we'll get there in just a moment. I'll share with you a challenge and, uh, from God's Word here and somewhat kind of a theme of today, whether it be from this morning as we talked about uh, Christ's return. And uh, certainly a great reminder in that sense to be ready and prepared, to be watching and waiting. Uh, and now as we commemorate the Lord's death and, uh, until He returns, um, the title of tonight's message uh, <laughs> seems a little odd. And don't worry, I'm not preaching a funeral per se. Um, but it's entitled this, When Death is a Blessing. When Death is a Blessing. And as we typically say, context is everything. And so it is with tonight's message. And so I just encourage you, whether it be by death or it be by rapture, the reality is, uh, as we've seen already today, we have a lot to look forward to. And uh, being reunited with our Savior and uh, spending eternity with God. And so we come to this passage. We understand the context and very crucial for us to do so. It's kind of the last, uh, the, the last chapter of the ages. It, it, it is this vision that God has given John here in Revelation of the end times. And uh, it's crucial to understand that context as we come to Revelation chapter 4. And we want to read uh, verse number 13. Look there with me. We'll just take one verse tonight. Chapter 14, verse number 13. And notice it. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write. Blessed are the dead, hence our title, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, with, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Okay? Um, where we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 14. Not a pretty time. Uh, it, it is not an enjoyable time. We're, we're in the second part of the tribulation. Um, there are those who have been saved and trusted in Christ and part of the testimony of the 144,000 and others. And so they've come to trust in Jesus Christ and yet they're living in a very tumultuous time, very difficult time. Uh, they're going to face great persecution. They're going to face martyrdom, widespread, being put to death for their faith in Jesus Christ as the Antichrist t- tries to assuage uh, the, uh, the coming judgment and wrath of God and so forth. And so the reality is this is not a great time to be a Christian. You might think today's bad. Uh, be, be thankful you won't be here during the tribulation and get saved and then experience that situation. That's what the context is that we find, okay? But there's a huge qualifier here, isn't there? We just read it in the middle of the verse, uh, verse 13. Here's the, the qualifier. He's speaking of those which die in the Lord. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Now that's crucial because that's the qualifier. In fact, we would put it this way. uh, There is no blessing to be found in dying without Jesus Christ. There's no blessing. There's nothing. In fact, we would say that is the most unblessed place you can be, is dying without Jesus Christ as your Savior. As we gather tonight, one of the joys of this ordinance that God has given the local church is to remind ourselves who we have put our faith and trust in. The reality that we are blessed immensely and beyond uh, description because Jesus Christ is our Savior. We are trusting in Him. The blood that He shed that we heard sung about, what He did on the cross of Calvary and covering our sins and making the way for us to escape hell and gain heaven. My goodness, that is the greatest news that has ever been told. We celebrate that tonight, and the reality is this. You will never experience blessing in death unless you know Jesus Christ. So that is the first qualifier here, and certainly that would involve you and I And as we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the promise of blessing in death here, okay? Now, obviously in the verse, it's directed towards those who die in this time period, 
But the principles that are found in this verse, the principles of blessing or the promise of blessing is true for all believers. Okay? We can think of many that we've lost in our own congregation. There have been those that we've had to say uh, see you later to in these last many years, several years, and many of us go back decades and such, and that we have said goodbye. They have passed on. They have died in the Lord. And so these principles, these truths, would hold true for them too that are presented in this verse. Now, I think that's key because this is what we're trying to do. Let's not forget this. When we talk about being ready and prepared for Christ's return, one of the things you and I are striving to do, and you hear me say it often from this pulpit, is that we are trying to adopt Christ and God's values. We want his value system. We want to get rid of our old sinful nature and this world's value system. We want to discard those and throw those to the side. We want to adopt for ourselves. But much like we want our children, when they get to a certain age, that our convictions become their convictions and, and so forth. Our beliefs become their beliefs. We want that for them. Well, the reality is for you and I, as we grow up in the Lord, as we grow as Christians, our desire ought to be, boy, I want God's value system to be my value system. What I value, how I look at things. I'm going to be able to look through the, the paradigm, the glasses that God looks at things, and see them how he sees them. And so what we come to in this passage is that reality. Death is a blessing to those who die in the Lord. The world will like, how is death ever a blessing? Well, can I tell you, my friend, when you know Jesus Christ, death can be a blessing. Death can be a blessing. Uh, we may not see it in human terms when we are the ones left behind. Uh, it's harder on us sometimes than those who go on before, amen? And the reality is of what they're enjoying that blessing in Jesus Christ. And so this is what that passage deals with. And I think I like the practicality of it. When Christ gave to John this vision, and he says, listen, write this. Blessed are those, blessed are the dead who die in Christ. That's a, that's a powerful statement. And, uh, and I think that term henceforth not only means in that context, but the reality is, as you and I read this, when this was given to John, it's like, John, from the moment that Christ died, he went back to heaven. The fact is this, all those who die in Christ, it is a blessing. They're now with their Savior. From this moment, henceforth, as you receive this revelation, from henceforth, it is a blessing to them. How is it a blessing? Here's the practical aspect. I'll share with you just three things, and we'll be done, and we'll get into observing the Lord's Supper. Number one is simply this, okay? Notice it. Death is a blessing because it initiates a time of rest for one's labors. Death is a blessing because it initiates a time of rest. This is what the verse said. We, we read it here a moment, that they may have rest from their labors, they have rest from their labors. Now, this is multifaceted. When we think of our lives, boy, there's a lot of labor that goes into our lives in many different areas as Christians especially, okay? Number one, we understand it to be a rest. It includes a break from our physical labors, okay? And everybody said amen. Physical labors. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19 established a principle, a, a universal truth that has affected all of us. It literally establishes this principle. We gain our physical sustenance by the sweat of our face. Literally, the Bible says, the sweat of thy face. God looks at Adam and Eve and says, listen, now because of the curse of sin, the reality is you're going to get your sustenance by the sweat of your face. Can I ask you how many Michiganders sweated this past week in this heat? Amen. <laughs> How many of you were working this week and you were sweating because you were doing something, working so hard at it and doing things? Uh, many of us, we were sweating even in air conditioning because we were working. 
You know, reality is that is physical labor. That's literally what God is speaking of. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. We've got to provide. We, we're going to sweat. We're going to have to work hard to do it. Work isn't a bad thing, but it was going to be that much harder because of the curse of sin. So heaven promises a rest from that. You know, the reality is this. Living is physically hard work. It requires expending energy in just living. Now, there's a simple proof of it, isn't it? Okay? Right? Younger people, this will not apply to you. Okay? But those of us who are 40 and older, how many does it hurt to get out of a seat sometimes? Get off the couch. Get out of bed. I mean, that's physical labor. You know, sometimes my kids look at me, and it takes me five minutes to get up or something. And they're like, what's wrong with you? Bad knees, bad shoulders, bad, you know, don't play sports while you're young. All those things, all right? It's physical labor just to live here on earth. Physically move and do things, it requires effort. Man, aren't you thankful that someday we're going to have a glorified body? And from we're going to have great rest from all the physical labors of here on earth. And my goodness, friend, that death is a blessing. So certainly is the rapture. Reality, reality, they're both blessings because they initiate a time of rest. And that is from our physical labors. Secondly, it's not just physical labors, but uh, letter B, it is also a time that includes a break from the mental work of life. The mental work of life. I think this is crucial for us to remind us. You realize that training our minds takes great effort and work? See, there's a reason children look forward to the summer break, amen? They have to stop thinking. No, anyway, uh, they get a break. It's a time of rest. Uh, uh, you know, Solomon, he was the one that said in Ecclesiastes 12, 12, and much study is weariness to the flesh. And all the children said, amen. And much study. You know what it's talking about there? That training, the, the idea of mental work. And, and we uh, young people... Uh, older folks, where we're, we typically, you, you lament us complaining about our minds not working as they once did and everything else, memory going and everything else. You realize it takes a lot of work mentally, the labors that we do. Uh, now, there is a greater aspect to this for the Christian. It isn't just mathematics. It isn't just thinking about things and memory that, that it takes labor. The reality is this, uh, living and controlling our minds and our thoughts requires much labor requires much labor Uh, we know it well paul was the one who encourages us to what well cast down and to capture every wrong thought Uh, cast down wrong thoughts Uh, uh, don't let them uh, find a root uh, or soil in your head don't 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 entertain those thoughts bring into captivity no wait a second that that thought's running away with me i'm not going to let it control me i bring it into captivity that's literally what paul says and the verse is here in second corinthians 10 5 casting down imaginations and every high thing, okay? So there's the first statement, right? Casting down and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing in tech captivity. Capture it, okay? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now I'm starting to think about that person's motive and that's not right. God doesn't want me to do that. So I'm bringing it in captivity. I, I, I'm casting down. No, I should not think that way. I'm gonna stop. Holy Spirit, help me to stop thinking that way. Now listen to me. This is where I think many of us as Christians become lazy. We don't capture every wrong thought that's starting to run away with our emotions. It's starting to control us. It's starting to cause us to do things that does not please God, is not pleasing His sight, is not conforming to what He gives us in our Scriptures. We don't cast down every wrong thought, but rather we, rather we entertain it. 
We let it sit down at the table of our mind and we give it time and we feed it and we allow it to grow. The Bible is very clear. You and I are supposed to cast down every wicked thought, every imagination. We're supposed to bring into captivity every thought to what? The obedience of Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true and honest and just? And he gives us that long list. Think on these things. Bring it into obedience. Now, I'll tell you, boy, that's a lot of work. For you and I on a daily basis, make sure I have right thoughts. Make sure I have the wrong thoughts. I bring into the captivity. I, I cast them down. I don't let them run away. I cast down every wrong thought about a person or about a situation or my, my doubt instead of faith. And you name it, it takes considerable effort to work at capturing wrong thoughts that don't promote my obedience to the Savior. But can I tell you, no, don't miss this. That is the type of labor we're supposed to be involved in every single day. The battlefield of our minds. Now that's labor. That's work. It's the mental work of the Christian life. It's, it's the reality that you and I constantly have to fight that this is God's territory. It isn't my flesh's territory. It isn't, it isn't the devil's territory. It isn't the, the world's. They can't lay claim to it. It's God's. He's bought me with a price. Therefore, I'm going to glorify him with this mind, my thoughts. I'm going to bring him to the captivity and capture them. It is a daily work. May I just put it this way? There are no days off for the mental work of a Christian. Bringing every thought into captivity, capturing them, casting them down. Our inward fallen nature, boy, it sure likes to frequently bring up bad thoughts, entertain them, selfish motives, unkind ideas, wicked imagination. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, in light of that same concept, you remember what he said? Oh, wretched man that I am. Because he realized the struggle and the, ne- the, the need, the necessity for daily capturing those thoughts and bringing them into uh, um, captivity. Now, I'll tell you. When you do that faithfully your whole life or you strive to do so, you're going to be ready for a rest. Amen? You're going to be ready for heaven. And uh, won't it be nice to not have to worry about your thoughts in heaven? And to not have to think, well, I better, that's not the right thought. I shouldn't think that about that person. I ought not to think that about that situation. I ought not to doubt God in that. My goodness, heaven is going to provide a great rest for us mentally. There's also going to be another aspect to this rest. It's physically, yes, it's mentally, but also uh, we can almost say spiritually, but here's reality. Number three of this part, this rest includes a break from fighting an uphill battle. This rest includes the break from fighting an uphill battle. You know, we are reminded time and time again, it seems with every press released, (laughs) we are reminded that to try to be good and live godly in this present world it makes you feel like you're swimming upstream. Uh, makes you feel like you're kind of going against the pricks. It makes you feel like you are not in the majority for sure, that you are kind of, as this says here, fighting an uphill battle. Between our old flesh, between uh, the world, between Satan and his gang, uh, all the wicked people in the world that are rebelling against God, it's a tough road for you and I to live godly in this present world. I've said much over the last couple weeks and months to individuals. I, it amazes me how, how forward and bold America and other nations around the world have gotten in their rebellion against God. It seems like it's so much more in his face. And you know what it reminds me of? Forgive me if I'm hitting a rabbit trail or a rabbit interstate between you know how long it is. Um, 
it reminds me of Revelation. You remember Revelation? Things are happening. A third of the world is dying because of this, and this is happening. The world's being destroyed left and right because of the judgment that's falling from God. And what are some of the people doing in the midst of it? They're raising their fists to heaven. And basically cursing God, rebelling against him as the world around them falls apart. You think, how in the world can they do that? Half the world is dying. Though the world physically is being torn apart because of the judgment of sin that God is bringing. And yet there's people out there going like this. May I tell you, it, it made me think. You know why much of America is still doing this to God? Their lives are falling apart because they've been living in them to themselves. They followed their own pages, their own will, their own book for way too long. And now the result and the consequences is not anything they want. So they're blaming God. And they're resisting the truth on every front. And they're resisting God on every front. And this is the society, this is the culture in which you you and I find ourselves. You know, God didn't try to sugarcoat it. So I'm thankful for the scriptures. He didn't try to make it all sound wonderful as some <laughs> preachers do on television and everything else. You know what he said? If you, will, if you attempt to live godly in this present world, you will suffer persecution. I don't know if you caught it, but in our message this morning, as we were reading what Paul was saying of those perilous times that are to come, as he wrote to Timothy, you remember what he said in there? And I, and I caught this. It makes, it makes us think of our current day. It makes me think of some that, that have been attacked because they stood up for truth of recent days. You know what it, makes, what it said? It said this. They will be despisers of those that do good. Now, that seems like an innocuous statement, but I'll tell you, that is a huge step in a society, in a culture, in someone's actions, because here's what happens. Initially, you can resist the truth and just say, eh, I don't care about the truth, I'll despise the truth. But when you get in such a vitriol, hateful attitude that you not only hate the truth, but you hate those who do the truth and hold to the truth, we've gone to a whole different level. Now, I'll tell you, in America, we've reached here. Around the world, we reach here. It amazed me how many, uh, how many leaders of nations around the world have criticized our Supreme Court for the decision they made. The leaders of the UK, the leaders of France, the leaders, and you have to wonder, like, why in the world do you care? What business is it of yours? And it amazes me, what are we living in? A time in which people not just, they don't just despise the truth and what is good, they despise those who do good. My friend, it is a difficult day to live in. It's tough to be a Christian. You're going to suffer persecution. You'll find it hard at times. You, you will suffer. It'll feel like finding an uphill battle at home and sometimes uh, certainly uh, at the workplace and in the community and uh, social media and other places if you stand up for what is right. Have you ever suffered for doing good to others? They often will bite the hand that is trying to help them, to be kind to them. Have you ever had someone be rude to you? Maybe when you are simply standing for the truth or you are sharing the gospel. You know, Christ endured the same thing. It's part and parcel for the labor of a servant of God. One who wants to do the will of the Father. It's part of this life. But can I tell you and encourage you, a rest from the uphill battle is coming. That's why death is a blessing, (laughs) a part of the reason. The reality is, my goodness, you know what heaven's going to be? It is going to be a great rest. I've told you before, I love the passage, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9, the simple statement, there remaineth. I like that. (laughs) 
It's still coming, okay? Because I'll tell you, if what we're experiencing right now is the rest, I'd be disappointed. Wouldn't you? Now, I'm thankful for a day of rest, Sundays. I think sometimes we, modernly, we put way too much into it and so forth. But, uh, man, I sure am thankful that there remaineth a rest to the people of God. Heaven is coming. And whether by death or by uh, Christ's return, my goodness, that is a blessing. To think that the God of heaven is preparing a time of rest and a place of rest for you and I. It's a, death is truly a blessing in that it brings a time of rest from the hand of God. Physically, mentally, and my, what we might describe this last aspect spiritually. Okay, number two, not only does it initiate a time of rest, but secondly, death initiates a, a time of reaping. Death initiates a time of reaping, okay? I love the part of the verse. Look at it again. It says this, their works, verse 13, their works do follow them. The end of the verse there, okay? That's a twofold blessing, okay? First of all, it means this, and I like this aspect of it, right? Um, One's labors for the Lord will continue to bear fruit. Okay? A previous act a, 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 of witnessing a testimony, whatever the case may be, it's going to continue to be used by God okay? and to bring others to him, bring someone to himself. The fruit of our labors will continue to be produced. Okay? Um, I, I think of it in terms of this. Uh, just a, a, a couple weeks ago, right? seems like forever ago, but we assembled the John and Romans. Well, what if in the next few weeks, and God forbid, unless it's God's will, certainly, let, let's say somebody who was there and came and helped us, they, they passed away. Okay, uh, they died, somebody from our congregation or who's there helping putting the Bibles together, all right? And uh, they came, they served, they put the John and Romans together, and they went home to heaven. What if after that happens in the months ahead, those John and Romans are handed out to Ukrainians, and there's a person who's unsaved and, and is, receives one of those John and Romans that that person served, gave of their time, sacrificed to come here to, to our gym, put them together, and this person reads the truth of God's word, the gospel, and they come to trust Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, their fruit remains. They reap that fruit. See, there, there's some here, I, I think of um, those who've gone on before us here in our congregation, some who taught Sunday school, those who invited others to church, those who witnessed and, and saw souls saved, and, and now they have gone on to heaven. And, and my friend, the reality is some of those that they taught in Sunday school, some of those they invited to church, some of those that they witnessed to and saw saved are still living for the Lord, and that's fruit that remains. And I believe in heaven they are reaping that. They're reaping it now here on earth. There's that fruit. I love that thought and that statement. Their works do follow them. They continue. Aren't you grateful that uh, when someone who, is, who goes on, and, and I often believe that sometimes our fruit is even greater when we're gone than when we were here. Uh, I can tell you there's many uh, a Christian that's gone on before us whose book I have in my office that has been a huge blessing to me. After they've already gone through what they have written and their life story and things as such, and God is bringing fruit from that. My friend, when we are in heaven, the reality is we'll still be able to reap fruit here on earth. Our testimony, our witness, our impact, our spiritual heritage, if we might put it that way. Secondly, and not only it refers to the fact that the Lord will continue to bear fruit here, our labors for the Lord, that we'll see him here on earth. But secondly, this is the truth, the passage bears out, it refers to the fact that the reward and fruit of our labors for the Lord are not confined to this place, to earth, they will be even greater in his presence. 
There in heaven we'll reap the fruits of our labors from his hand. More fruit will be revealed. Hasn't there been many of us that look forward to heaven and maybe finding out um, uh, something, a tract that we handed out, someone we witnessed to, we never heard from again, some impact we had that we never understood while we were here on earth. I believe there will be a lot of that in heaven. I believe we'll, we'll reap some of that fruit that we never understood or never saw and never had a thought. I, I'm excited about you and I getting to heaven and all the money we've given to Faith Promise, these projects we've done putting John and Romans together. Man, it's going to be exciting to get to heaven and find people in heaven because of our labor. To see the reaping of the fruit of our labors and certainly to God be the glory, but man, that'll excite us. And I'll tell you what heaven is. Heaven is a time of reaping the fruit of our labors in that sense. You see, the fact is this, not of least, obviously, not the least of which is to hear, well done, the good and faithful servant, but heaven will be a time of reaping rewards. As crowns, as we, we are given just a glimpse, and I believe it is just a glimpse. I, I, I believe the Scriptures say that I hath not seen or ear heard what God hath prepared for them. Spirit has revealed some of it. The Spirit has shown some of it, but I, I don't believe we, we have nearly all of what we'll see in heaven about the fruit of our labors and the reward that is given. We certainly know of crowns that will toss back at Christ's feet, but the reality is this. Heaven will be a time of reaping the fruit of our labor. And my friend, death is a blessing because of that. It is our Savior and our God saying, welcome home. Enter into your time of rest and reaping. Number three, it's not just a time of rest. That will certainly be initiated. It's not just a time of reaping. That, that is certainly the case. But death is also a blessing because the third thing, and that's simply this, the Holy Spirit oversees it all. And this is great, okay? And understand the angle that we see from this verse. Because you see it there. The Spirit is the one uh, addressed here, verse number 13, and, uh, or alluded to. Yea, saith the Spirit. He's the one talking. Excuse me. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow. Here's what I like, okay? Listen to me, okay? I am thankful, and don't miss this. I am thankful that there is not another human being planning heaven and my rewards for me. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit is doing that. Aren't you? I mean, aren't you grateful that heaven and all that it's going to hold for you and I is not a construct of a man. It's not something, okay, well, do the best you can for it. Make it enjoyable for everyone. No, no, no. This is the God of heaven who is going to make heaven a blessing for you and I. And after that, certainly death is a blessing because it ushers us into that. What do I mean by that? Simply this. Don't miss it tonight. You see, all that is promised in heaven is promised by the Spirit. This rest uh, that he promises here. The fruit of our labors is promised by the Holy Spirit. He is the one that certainly knows our life better than any. Knows our motives, knows our actions, knows our thoughts. He is the one that, that understands. And uh, may I just encourage you, one's worth at death and in future reaping in heaven is not measured by the attendance at your funeral. Okay? We're not here to compare, well, how many did you have at your funeral? I mean, we won't do that in heaven, not here, but anyway. <laughs> right? We're not going to get to heaven and say, well, how many did you have? Well, now, I must have been a pretty big person. I must have been pretty important because there were so many people in heaven. Can I tell you, that will have absolutely no impact on what you reap in heaven. It won't. There'll be nothing there. And I'm telling you, I sure am grateful that will not be the measurement of it. You know what else? 
the comments and the sincerity of the opinions of one's friends at your funeral will have nothing to do with your reaping in heaven. I mean, that's all wonderful. I hope your family says good things about you. But that will not impact your reaping in heaven. Death is not a blessing, okay? I don't believe it, and don't think of this. I, I don't mean to be silly, and I'm not trying to be, but it, sometimes we get this uh, silly idea. We'll get to heaven, and we'll look back down, and we'll watch our funeral, and we'll be up there saying, boy, I hope they say nice things about me. Can I tell you, when you get to heaven, you probably won't care what happens at your funeral. You're going to be with your Savior. You're going to enjoy the blessings of heaven. You're probably not going to care. More importantly, the Holy Spirit is not listening and saying, boy, okay, I better listen to what people say about him or her. Uh, See if they were a nice kid, nice person. If they did good or not. Holy Spirit already knows whether you and I receive reward or not. What we will reap. And my friend, that is a blessing of heaven. Can I also put it another way? (laughs) Your, Your worth at death. What you will reap is not measured by the number of flowers or blankets or chimes that are sent to your funeral or the notes written. Those things are all wonderful. They're all good, and and we ought to commemorate that. I'm not against that at all. But don't for a second think that is in any way the measurement of what you will reap in heaven. Can I just put in a simple statement that maybe we can remember tonight? It's simply this. Your eternal reaping is not dependent upon your earthly accolades. It doesn't matter how many people pat you on the back. It doesn't matter how many people notice your ministry. It doesn't matter how, much, how many people know how many tracts you handed out or who you won to the Lord or how you serve the Lord in this way or this capacity. That really doesn't matter how many people here on earth notice because I'll tell you, our God in heaven knows. And your reaping is not dependent upon what people see and what people know. It's dependent upon what the Lord knows, the Holy Spirit. You're reaping in heaven, and my friend, heaven is a blessing because it is a time of reaping those blessings and the fruit of our labors. It's dependent upon what the Holy Spirit knows. He is just, he is omniscient, and he is with us throughout our lives. He is the one who promises us the rest from our labors, the promises us the future fruit from those labors, and he also promises us that death will be a blessing in this way. He oversees it, he controls it all. Our obituary. Our obituary might not catch the eye of the casual reader of a paper, but if you are in the Lord, remember, that's the qualifier. Those that die in the Lord. You know what the Bible says, and don't ever forget it. Your death is precious to God. You know the verse well. Psalm 116, verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saint. And death is a blessing. How's that possible? Well, God says, listen, you've, you've done a good job. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now enter into the rest that I have prepared for you. Your, your fruit will last here on earth. Your fruit will last in, in heaven. And in fact, it'll not just be a time of rest. It'll also be a time of reaping. And, and don't worry. It doesn't matter how, how much people saw or didn't see of your life. What matters is what the Holy Spirit of God saw. And he will meet out reward accordingly. My friend, the reality is our death, our spiritual graduation day, it holds much blessing for each one of us. And it ought to give us great comfort and great courage for whatever time we have left here on earth. Or if we come to the point where we know our death is maybe imminent, where we know we're on a, a, the deathbed as it is often described, can I tell you, my friend, you and I can just simply trust in the promises of God. 
And the reality that if I die in the Lord, if I know Jesus Christ, boy, this is just graduation day. Now, what makes all that possible? What we commemorate tonight. If Christ did not die, if Christ did not raise again the third day, death would still have a sting. Heaven would not be possible. But because he did so, my friend, tonight, you and I can say, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Death is indeed a blessing. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, as we enter now into this Lord's Supper, I pray that we'd be reminded of these truths we've seen for your word. We're grateful for the truths of them. And I'm thankful that you have helped us to have your value system about what death is. Father, we, we think often the world reads that death of one of your saints is precious in your sight. And they can't comprehend that. They can't understand that. They think that is foolishness. But Father, we as your children, we have come to understand through your word and your Holy Spirit's leading that death is a blessing. Father, that the rapture will certainly usher us into a great time that you have prepared. My Father, I'm grateful for the rest that you have promised us. I am, I am grateful that you have promised us that we will reap the fruit of our labors, Lord. I'm grateful that you have also, you are the one who controls and oversees all of eternity. And we'll, Lord, you have things in store that we can never imagine. My Father, I pray that give us great comfort and courage in the days ahead. May we live for you, may we serve you continually, not fearing death, but simply looking forward to when we will be absent from the body and present with you. We rejoice in the truths of your word. Bless us now as we enter into this uh, observance of what you have given to us to commemorate Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection. And Father, we, we do this until Jesus Christ returns. So we look ahead to that and look for it. We pray for it and we love his appearing. And Father, I pray that even tonight we'd be reminded of what has been done for us. May we be grateful for it. Father, I pray as we enter into this time that if there be one here that has some sin in their life, that they would get it settled, Lord. That they would get it confessed and repented of before they enter into this time. And Lord, I pray each one would eat and drink worthily of it. Father, I pray you'd help us in this moment. Father, we love you so very much. Now continue to bless in this service. It's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Have the deacons come forward this time who will help.